0: Well, as was aforementioned, we are working our way through the book of Galatians this summer, and this is a uh, a journey in grace. The apostle Paul has uh, recently been through this region of the world. At that time, it was called Galatia. Uh, today, it would be called Turkey, um, and he had been a part of a team that started a bunch of new churches and had told people about uh, God's grace for them through Jesus Christ and as a result uh, there were many new Christians new churches that had started in this region of the world and Paul had gone back home so to speak and figured out very quickly just within a couple of years he wrote this letter because the grace that he had preached in these places was being changed was being added to by some of the follow-up pastors who were leading these churches they were telling people that yes we're saved by grace but to be in good standing with god you also have to do these things and Paul caught wind of this, and he wrote back in what we call the letter to the churches in Galatia, and this morning we're going to look at the portion of this letter that begins in chapter 1, verse 11, and continues through chapter 2, verse 10, and I want you to pay attention to a couple of things as we read. I want you to pay attention to the transformation that Paul alludes to, this transformation this overwhelming change that comes about as the result of the gospel of grace. And I want you to also pay attention to the way that grace sort of guides Paul's life and Paul's words as he writes to these young churches. So follow along with me. I'll be starting in chapter 1, verse 11, and reading through chapter 2, verse 10. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous ways of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves, we did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might remain in you. As for those who seemed to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, my wife and I have some some neighbors that we're, we've become very good friends with, um, and it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, here I am, the Presbyterian pastor, and he's a deacon in his Baptist church, and, um, so back and forth we go with the, the jokes and all that kind of stuff. We have a lot of fun, and, uh, periodically in, in friendships like that, um, you know, we, we have dinner together and, and things like that, and dishes are brought over and they're left in the house and they get washed and they get put away. And and then they might end up in a garage sale. <laughs> um, and let's just say for the sake of today's message, I'm, I'm a Texan, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story, okay? So just bear with me. Um, That this dish in question was a gift. All right? And, you know, as with uh, many gifts, um, you know, taste is a funny thing. It just doesn't always sync up. And the problem with neighbors who are good friends is that when you have a garage sale, they show up to help you sort everything and price everything. And then in the middle of all the the pricing, you get, you're selling this? Really? I gave this to you. And there's that awkward moment, right? Where you take what was a gift and put it up for sale. Um, That's maybe not the greatest analogy to what paul is talking to in this passage but i i i think it'll work so here's what's going on paul had been a good neighbor to these people he had come to their towns and lived among them and started churches in this part of the world and we that we call refer to as galatia or gala actually and then he, he went on and he was doing his job elsewhere. And he hears that this, this gift that he had given to these people was now being resold to them. And the letter of Galatians is kind of that moment where Paul goes, You're, you're letting them sell this to you? It was a gift you not get it and and so to be as succinct as i can here's basically what was happening paul had started the churches moved on other pastors who had grown up jewish were teaching the new churches if you want to be in good standing with god you need to you need to behave like a jewish person The Bible tells us what God wants, and he wants us to not eat bacon. Ooh, that's a little tough, right? Um, And it tells us, you know, what to wear and when we should do what and what we shouldn't do on the Sabbath. And you need to follow all these rules if you want to be pleasing or live a life that's pleasing to God. Well, it made sense on one level. The Jews were very well respected throughout the ancient world for their religious zeal and they had this bible that we call the old testament that had a lot of clarity about what god expected from his people and was that all to just be thrown away because jesus had come Uh, and that was sort of the argument that these teachers would make and little by little they were convincing these non-Jewish followers of Jesus that they needed to be a bit more Jewish in the way they lived out their faith. Paul catches wind about it, and he flips. And he says, no, this is a gift. It, it, it's, it, all the cost of your salvation was paid by christ you owe nothing you're free you're clean you're forgiven you're in can you rest in that and so paul has this struggle with his audience as he hears what they're buying if you will and is trying to compel them back to grace. To say to them, it's all about grace. It's not we are saved by grace and then we have to stay in good standing with God by what we do. It's that we're saved by grace and we're sustained by grace and we're held by grace for eternity. Um, we can't resell a gift without offending the giver and that's what paul is trying to convey and as we look at this idea of god's transforming infinite grace i want us to to look at a couple of facets of that grace that are brought out in this passage today. The first is the call to let the gospel change us. Um, We spend a lot of energy in our lives uh, from the time we are very, very little uh, to get to the point of where we think we are self-sufficient, right? So when the, when the, baby is uh, not mobile we try to teach it and encourage it to crawl right and so you put the toy just a few inches beyond the grasp and you let the baby kind of struggle toward it and they learn and then you try to you know hold them by the hands and waddle them around the room and you try to get them to walk and a few years go by and you're uh trying to get them to tie their own shoes, right? And and about this point, you'll notice a little bit of a shift. You'll see them struggling to tie their shoe, and you'll reach down to help them, and what do they say? I'll do it myself. I still say that. Sorry, honey. Um, And there is this internal drive for self-sufficiency. It's innately part of who we are. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? We 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 want to be able to contribute in this world and and survive and thrive and do all the things that that we're here to do. But spiritually, we're out of our element. We are not able to do for ourselves that which god has done for us through christ we cannot grant unto ourselves eternal forgiveness atonement peace and so we are in a totally other state in relation to god and it is a state of complete dependence um okay we're called into a change as children of the kingdom of God. We're called to allow the gospel to change who we are and how we live by the power of God. And Paul is very careful to explain to his audience, I didn't make this up. And when I got blown away by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, I didn't have to go ask the other apostles if what I understood was correct. God gave me this message directly. He ministered this truth to the innermost portion of who I am. And He changed me. And I know what I'm talking about because I've lived the change. And Paul points out, I was this guy. This murderous, hateful, persecutor of Christ. And I am now this guy who goes around preaching the grace and peace of God through Jesus Christ. The Gospel changes us by the power of God through what He reveals to us through His Word. Paul alludes to uh, some places that he went after his conversion. Uh, Arabia and a couple other places. And essentially what he was doing when he was in these places was he would take what we would call the Old Testament and he would just start reading. And his recurring words were, wow, this has been here the whole time. From the very first book to the very last one, it has all been pointing to the grace of God through the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. How could I not have seen this? How could I have lived on this earth at the same time as Christ and not seen it? And Paul tells us, That this grace comes only by the power of God. That it's through what God reveals and it's through what God wills. Paul tells us, um, verse 15, but when God who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace was pleased to reveal His Son in me, So that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. Whose decision was it for Paul to come to Christ? It was God's decision. It was, there's no question whose decision it was. He was actually uh, on his way to go wipe out a church in Antioch when Jesus met him on the road. Paul was not looking For salvation salvation came looking for Paul and I believe that's true for all of us that we find ourselves at one point or another met by the living God confronted dealt with and redeemed by what he reveals to us through his word and what he wills to happen in our lives the gospel changes us by the power of God and for the transformation of ourselves this change from the before to the after and paul is a great example of this change from who we once were to one who causes others to praise god did you catch that little phrase the very people who once feared the arrival of Paul into their church were now rejoicing over what God had done in his life, the change that God had brought about. Are we people who cause those around us to rejoice because of the change that God has wrought in our own hearts and souls and lives? That is our calling, To be the people that when others encounter us, they want to rejoice. Um, This change is intended to cover every aspect of our lives. The, The way we treat each other at home, the way we work, the way we play, The way we do all that we are called to do should come under this umbrella of gospel change. We must let the gospel change us. And so also, this passage points out that we must let the gospel guide us in life. Um, Virtually all of the people to whom Paul was writing these letters had already experienced gospel change to one degree or another. They had been met by God, and the change had begun. But that tendency that we all have towards self-sufficiency had crept back in. And there were some very well-meaning teachers who were telling God's people, this is how you must behave in order to be in good standing with God. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of... Funny, not funny. Ha Funny, weird. It was never mind. Um, to to preach about grace at hope. Um. And I'll try to explain what I mean. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the guy that's coming next week to preach here. His name is Manny Alanis. He's a Hispanic man. He was a a state trooper in the state of Texas for a long time. Retired from that and is now in ministry. And uh, don't worry, Danny. We'll give you a ticket. He's not not active there anymore. Um, But Manny, uh, we had lunch a couple weeks ago and he says uh, so when I come to your church, what do you want me to wear? And I said, well, what you're wearing right now would be fine. And he had on a, a Guayavera a shirt and a pair of slacks. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, whatever you're comfortable in, you know, doesn't matter. He's like, oh, okay, well, well tell me about your church. And we started talking, and he interrupted me at one point, and he said, now, you're, you're from, you went to the same seminary as my boss, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so, so I can talk about predestination and election? And, and I said, well, you can, but the great thing about hope is that, you know, we've got people from all over the map, and when you talk about those things, you'd probably do well to explain them and not just drop word bombs on people, Right? and uh, he's like, oh, okay, and I, I, you know, I'm like, I'll try to put it this way. Maybe half of the families that are there weren't going to church anywhere before they came to Hope, or just one of the spouses was going and not both, and then they found us. He's like, oh, okay, all right, and so we're talking and i guess part of what i'm saying is i'm i'm very proud of you you know this is not a pretentious group of people and when someone comes through your doors you do not expect or demand is perhaps a better word certain things from them you're very giving you're very gracious you're very laid back um and a lot of churches do not enjoy those blessings on a routine basis. Um, I'll try to say it this way because this is this is really part of what Paul is getting at. But grace is a part of the culture that you create when you come here. The way you treat others, the way you act, the way you dress—it's all cultural and. Paul is, is preaching into a context where the majority of the people in these churches are culturally Greek. The majority of their leaders are culturally Jewish. And so the natural temptation of the leaders is to make their followers a little bit more Jewish, problem is that the gospel transcends culture. What we have in this message to our souls is something that is greater than those things which divide us culturally. We have the truth of God's love through Jesus Christ. And if we're going to let the gospel of grace guide us in all of life we must be true to the values of grace or the values of christ that is i'll get to grace in a second Um, that is what matters to god not what matters to us culturally but what really matters what is the central essence of our unity as christians is it the way we dress is it the the songs we sing is it any of the trappings of our culture no um okay we're to be true to the values of christ that is grace is free grace is free and by free paul means free it is not bound by cultural preferences or societal norms or any other human element. Paul goes through this long back and forth, you know, I, I, I came to this understanding and I didn't go, I didn't go to Jerusalem and check out what I was told by Jesus with everybody else. Why does he say that? Because he's he's trying to drive home a very simple point. That this gospel is not bound by human preferences. Um, Grace is free. And freedom is key to the gospel that you have freedom in Christ is absolutely central to who we are as Christians. Um, So, allowing the gospel to guide us in life means being true to the values of Christ, that is, grace and freedom. Not using our influence to bind other people to what we think they ought to be doing, trusting that god will grow them according to his grace and his timing in his ways we're to be true to the values of christ and we're to be true to the people of christ here's the other thing you notice that paul is doing throughout this passage he is relating back and forth to various other christians he is when he goes to meet with peter he says i don't i don't you know march in To the middle of a service and publicly disrupt anything i quietly went to him and said i just want to make sure that what i'm preaching is what you're preaching and they talked and they agreed and paul went on his way and he met with others and they related and conversed and it's about the people the connection that paul has and so If you look at church in this country and I, I'm this is uh, I'm not I'm not trying to pick on anyone okay um, most churches who believe that this is the inspired word of God have no affiliation with any other churches You don't believe that? Huh? Most. Most evangelical churches have no, put it this way, accountability to any entity greater than their own church. They're accountable to their membership, right? But not necessarily in 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 any sort of structure where they would be accountable to someone who has authority over them. If you look at what Paul does in this passage, he is is going about the, the, the work of staying connected to the rest of Christianity to make sure that what's happening in Gala is consistent theologically with what's happening in Judea. And he's maintaining these relationships and keeping the people of God connected. Was Paul afraid that he got it wrong? No he very clearly says this is i didn't make this up it doesn't come from man it comes from god he has no there's he's no, no misgivings about whether he mis- misunderstood anything his concern was what if this continues to go like this where we go out and preach the gospel and others come in and change the game after the fact and the church is 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 crippled as soon as it's born what how do we stop this in other words that was his concern and he does that by being true to the people of christ by building unity with the other churches around him based on what christ has done not based upon what humans can do but based upon what christ has done on the cross we tr- we're called to be true to the people of christ by building unity And by avoiding division over those things that we must do or that we feel others must do. And Paul is abundantly clear that we are saved by grace and we are to live by grace in our relationships with one another in the church. We're to be true to the values of Christ, true to the people of Christ. And true to our calling in Christ, and here's why I was trying to be careful earlier in my in my sort of general criticism of American evangelicals. We're all independent of each other, right? Um, there's a a lack of unity in our culture as it relates to Christianity. However, um, there should be great freedom in our calling. So that I, I, I don't want Community Bible Church to do church the way I think they ought to do church. I want them to do church the way they think they ought to do church. right? And I don't want to try to control what other people do i want to be involved in the expansion of the gospel of jesus christ so that i don't really care how another church does their thing i just care that they're doing god's work and we all have a calling before us as god's people to extend his grace to others We will not, in all likelihood, be the Apostle Paul in our calling. We are not going to go out, in all likelihood, and plant dozens of churches and um, contribute to the extent that he did. That doesn't diminish the reality of our calling. To shine God's light and love, even in the little corners of this world, and the circles of relationships that God has placed us in. We're to extend his grace to others. And I love how the passage ends. Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He meets with the apostles, and they all say, Yep, 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 saved by grace, grown by grace, brought to heaven by grace. It's all by grace. We get it. We agree. Let's go. And by the way, whatever you do, don't forget to care for the poor. And Paul says, that's exactly the same feeling that I got from the gospel, that I've been blessed, that I've been loved, and I have compassion and concern and care for those who are without. And so, Paul says, yes, be true to your calling in Christ. Extend grace to others, but show compassion to all. These are what pour forth from the heart of one forgiven by grace. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word. And we marvel at this grace that you have poured out upon us. Lord, we thank you that before we were born, you called us, you claimed us, and you brought us to yourself when it was your timing that we might look to you and know what love is. Lord, help us to show that love to others, to shine your light, to be your people, that your kingdom may come and that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.